What's going on, y'all? Welcome back. Breaking Barriers Podcast. We are back live in the building. I'm your host, Daniel Robertson, joined by my wonderful co-host, Xavier Lamar, Dorian Withrow. And today we have a super, super special guest, my guy, Mr. Jarrell Mason, the one and only. He looking real dapper over there in his turtleneck today and his nice blazer. Welcome, Jarrell, to the Breaking Barriers Podcast, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Well, first of all, had I known I could have dressed down, I would have. Here we go. But we're going to go with this Harry Potter look with the turtleneck. <laughs> so I'm ready. Let's do this. Black Harry Potter. Black Harry Potter. Let's do this. We're going to roll with it. <laughs> so what you been up to, man? How you been? Working. Being a father. You know what I'm saying? So I think, uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for inviting me to the podcast. So I know how Breaking Barriers started. Um, and in fact, you all's mentor, uh, Tommy McClam, was one of my mentors when I was 14. Um, so I started... You know, by growing up in Buffalo, born and bred here, um, I went to Bennett High School. Um, I was not like a stellar student whatsoever. I think the highest GPA I had was like a 68, rounding up, you know what I'm saying? And that was by like junior year. Um, so it was one day, uh, first day of classes, you know what I'm saying? And my homeroom teacher pretty much told me, like, you know, Drill, like with these grades, like you just like a, you a hard worker. You, you're not like a doctor or lawyer type. And so that made me so mad that I wanted to, come back and, you know, prove him wrong. Um, and so that kind of catapulted me into where I am today. So when you ask, like, what I've been up to, I still think about that thought. You know, when I think about breaking barriers and mentorship, stuff like that, I think about where I started and this is where I am today. So currently what I'm doing today, um, I'm the director of community engagement. I'm at Best Self, which is a, a behavioral health clinic, a behavioral health organization. Um, and it's so, you know, large that, it encompasses everything that I've been through, everything that I've learned, uh, the mentorship aspect. So it allows me to do what it is I love to do, which this this too, been a part of this podcast. All right, that's pretty dope, man. So you, I know you've been busy, man. What does a what does a typical day a work day look like for you? Oh, it's no typical day. So, <laughs> um, you know, so I just recently uh, transitioned from uh, higher education, which I did for about eight years. Um, and when I was in higher ed, a typical day would just be anything from listening to the students come in complaining about the parties not happening on campus or the food or whatever. Um, now my day is anything from um, affordable housing to um, visiting some of the program sites that we have, like the services and things that we offer. Um, but outside of just work, a typical day is me messaging folks like you and folks like Jamil Cruz to say, hey, I'm working on this project in the community. And I try and pull leaders together to make sure that that whole mentorship piece and all that is still something that I do for work as well as outside work. Um, so a huge part of that is, you know, music for me, too. Uh, so when I'm not working, music, uh, music production, engineering, all that kind of stuff. Where that uh, where that interest come from? Um, so I'm not. Well, it kind of came from like my mom just singing around the house. So my mother was a worship leader. Um, and she was seeing, you know, hymns and stuff like that. And so I guess one day I, I repeated what she said. I don't remember this. She remembers this. So I repeated something after her. So she told me to do it again. I did it again. And that's how I, the first time anybody told me, like, you can, you can sing, you know. So growing up, I would hear that from my mom. But I felt like everybody heard that from their parents. So I was like, ah, I'm not going to do much with it. But I eventually did my first um, album in 2017. After Where's doing like albums out here, so well, go find it on work. Um, so is it, music? Oh, you can definitely find. I mean, just in case, you know, I ain't trying to plug it. However, go ahead, plug. You can do that right <laughs> on Apple Music and Spotify and all the major platforms that you can find music by. 
because you gotta. However, <laughs> um, what it actually was was a deeper than just music. So it was called All Things Work Together, the official uh, West New York Christmas compilation album. So I chose Christmas because um, I, I was once a, a homeless student, a homeless college student, um, and so I would always go and volunteer during Christmas time. So no one knew I was homeless except my, my friends, some of my advisors, but I would go and volunteer to kind of get out of myself, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so every year I still do some kind of service work. And so my first album was this Christmas album. So it features somewhere around 50 local uh, West New York musicians and artists. Um, and what we did was we used that to raise money for three charities in Rochester, Niagara Falls, and Buffalo. That's what's up. Now, how in the world did you manage to pull together 50 different musicians for a Christmas album? Because that's I've, a lot of collaboration. It is. I faked like I had patience, and then some days I didn't, you know, so then that way we could, like, get it done. Um, but it was actually something that it wasn't a hard lift at all once they heard the backstory behind it. So the, the title, All Things Work Together, is a reference back to me being homeless. Um, so the fact that I was homeless is the reason that I always choose to give back to um, charities that feed folks and, and stuff like that because um, homelessness doesn't have a face to it and, and poverty yeah. and struggle mm -hmm. doesn't have a face to it. So here I am with this hidey tidy uh, turtleneck on and you may not know that I grew up, you know, in the hood with, with you know, with no food and things like that. Mm -hmm. So I make sure to always give back to what I, where I came from. So um, what I did is I kind of met with everyone, told them my story and told them how this would be used to give back to the community. And essentially, they all just kind of agreed. But what I what I did do is still made sure to compensate everyone because I wanted this to be a community effort where everyone learned, even the artists, to learn this is how you should be treated as an artist or a musician. This is what a contract should look like. Um, this is what royalties are. You know, all yeah, of that you, stuff. You missed me on the conversation piece. I ain't, I ain't seen a royalty yet. Well, that's, that's because Daniel chose not to be a part. You know what I mean? I don't know if his singing voice, I don't know if his singing voice was there all the way. You know? Mm -hmm. I didn't have to sing. I can contribute lyrics you know you royalties yeah we'll talk about that sometime uh, jay-z throw his daughter on track she getting never mind i'm sorry <laughs> somebody um, stop this <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna kick it over to dorian and xavier jump in because you and i will go i know right yeah. all right so i want to know um like you talked about being homeless mm -hmm. can you describe how you sort of got into that position and how you sort of dealt with it throughout college uh, yeah so like for me and I get, you know, and, and if I'm being real, and I think it's something that should be talked about because us as black men, like, we don't get to share our emotions in this kind of way and, and what it looks like. So I guess it was in its own form of some kind of trauma, um, but it's something that I'm so comfortable with my life and who I am and, and what I've been through and, and, you know, how I deal with things that I don't mind speaking about this at all. So mm -hmm. um, essentially, I'm the youngest of four boys. I'm the only person in my, you know, from my mother's, uh, children that graduated from high school, went to college, let alone to go get a master's and things like that. Um, we had very different views on the world and how stuff worked. Um, you know, my mother was married to a man that she's been married to for almost 20 years. And so the way he dealt with them, he felt he had to deal with all of us that way. But I just was kind of a kid that stayed in my lane. So I had a job by the time I was 16. Um, so eventually, um, it became so tumultuous in the house between him and I that um, I, I moved. I went to a shelter, a teenage shelter, the Compass House. I stayed there for like two months. They took, they take your phone at a certain time, all that stuff. And I kept my head down until I graduated out of high school. Uh, one of my best friends, she came, picked me up. I stayed at her grandmother's house for a day, you know what I'm saying? And what I did was, is I used that not to, to sob over it so much, is to think about like, okay, I don't want to ever feel this again, 
No one will ever be the cause of me not feeling comfortable in the space or whatever. Now, years later, um, you know, this happened when I was 17. Um, I'm 30 now. So at this point, you know, my stepfather has explained and apologized and all that. And that's something that I now have to work through and, and kind of get through. But I still use what I felt there to catapult myself to where I want to be. Um, so when you ask, how did I make it through? I stayed connected to mentors. So people like Pastor Tommy, who maybe I wouldn't have talked to him in a while, but I, that's the time I'm going to give you a call. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that'll be the time you give Daniel a call and let him know something. So what I would do is I would select certain mentors for their key traits. So I knew Pastor Tommy was going to pray you through and, and, and tell you it you know, straight. And then I had another friend that was going to give it to you in the hood way. Like, look, this is what it is. You know what I'm saying? Um, eventually, I started college, and I got so immersed in college meaning that I joined everything. I had seven jobs. At one point, I had nine positions on campus. So they called me to the office and said, like, Drell, you have to quit some of these jobs, you know? And the reason I did that is because I knew I had nowhere to live, but they didn't. So I mm-hmm. became an RA. Um, I became a peer counselor. Anything that would allow me housing on campus. I did a law school program at UB. These are all things that, you know, I would go from one month to the next. And so I got so used to moving that I had suitcases. I would just be on my way. You know what I'm saying? No bad. Um, yeah, so eventually I, I was able to get to a place to where, you know, I was able to graduate, get my first apartment, uh, start my master's program and all that. Um, and it's something I still reference because it taught me grit. And it taught me how to kind of like, you know, suck it up and get through what you need to get through. I want to I wanna follow up. So did you have trouble, like, asking for help? Oh, yeah. Was it like a pride thing? Did you oh, feel yeah. like, like oh, you, yeah, know, you, you couldn't oh, turn anybody or was it? You definitely you know, got yeah. pride. But when you're homeless, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Your pride going to come knocking like, all right, this is about time. So the day that my pride knocked on the door and said, okay, check yourself. Um, I had, so I was working at a place called Floodworkers, which is crazy because they don't have that out here anymore, I don't think. And that means I'm old now. You said Floodworkers? <laughs> it was called Floodworkers. We had, you used to, yeah, they, they're gone now. Uh, yeah, okay, I'm so I'm old now. But anyways, um, I was <laughs> working at a place called Floodworkers, and I used to have to catch two buses. And so by the time the buses stopped running out there in Buffalo, you know, at that time, it'd be like 1 in the morning, 1.30. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have anywhere else to go. So I just stayed on the bus until they went to the end of the line. So um, I called one of my friends. And, you know, the way that they sounded, just all like, yo, what up, bro? You know what I mean? It just made, it, it turned me off. Like, no, nah, I don't want to hit them with this. Like, hey, I ain't got nowhere to go. So I just let the conversation slide on. Um, and it was actually one of my mentors that uh, runs a mentorship program who um, called me and just was like, yo, Jarrell, where you at? Now, I don't know how he knew to call me or, or nothing. So I told him, I'm just riding the bus. He's like, so where you going? And I said, I don't know. And he said, yo, come to my house. So I came to his house. Now, at that time, I was a little bit heavier than this. Me and him was almost the same size. So he um, had a house that he owned, and upstairs was fully furnished. He had clothes. And he said, just go upstairs and go lay down. Now, it was late. It was like 1.45 in the morning. So he just said, go upstairs and lay down. And the thing I respected so much about him is that we didn't talk that night. He just said, go lay down. And then in the morning, I woke up, and it was food and stuff. And this was something that I wasn't necessarily used to it in that way, you know what I'm saying, especially from a man having never met my father, actually. Um, and, you know, so he pretty much said, all right, so what's, what's the problem? So I had to explain, and that was it. And from there, I stayed with him um, for a little bit, and then he helped kind of give me that energy to, you know, know how to go out and get it myself. 
You know what I'm saying? So at that point, I stayed with him for about a month and a half um, over like a Christmas break. And that was enough time for me to learn like I would never need to live with someone else again. I'll never need to depend on someone else again because I know what that feels like um, and I can capitalize on that experience and, you know, obviously have grace for people, but know how to push myself to where I know I want to be. Oh, yeah, I see. Like, he, you know, he took you in, but also <coughs> taught you that, like, you know, you just can't stay here. This isn't this isn't permanent home. Right. You know, and, you got to get out at and, some point. And also, I don't want to uh, skip over, like, my mom, who her lead thing was real. You better ask some people. All they could say is yes and no. So I learned... Ain't nobody better than nobody. I can ask. You know what I'm saying? So he never even had to tell me. I just appreciated what he did so much for me that I knew I'm not going to make this like a habit just to lean on him. Yeah. Um, so anytime I would see him, I would I would bring something, you know what I mean, with me, or I would come back with like grades and stuff to show him so he would see like, hey, what you invested in me wasn't a waste. DW, can I jump in here real quick? Yeah, go ahead. I have questions because Jarrell, he slid something in there real smooth. Uh-oh. And he know, he Uh-oh. know I'm coming back soon. <laughs> All right. Adjust the Harry Potter glasses. Excuse me. Go ahead. They look great on you, though. They look bro. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> all right. So seriously, right? Mm-hmm. You just mentioned, you slid, you slid in there real quick, too, mm-hmm. that you have never met your father. And I have questions just about how this clash happened with the stepfather Go on and how your mother, how, how your mother took that, and it's just I'm not saying it sounded like she was just like, oh, okay, go ahead, do your thing. Like, how did all that work, man? Like, so one, all right, how do you how do you feel about never meeting your father? Like, do you know do you know who he is? Or he lives in Buffalo. Okay, but he's you, alive. All right, don't know who he is. So that's my first the first burning question okay. I have is like, how do you? How do you feel about that, and how have you dealt with that? Because we know you and I have had question, mm-hmm. uh, conversations around fatherhood, mm-hmm. especially pertaining to black males and how that impacts us. So, yeah, know, just share a little bit about that. Oh yeah, and this is not a topic that I'm not I'm afraid of at all. Um, it's actually nothing that I've ever spoken about publicly in this way. So as I'm, I feel good that I can explain this. Um, this is not something I'm ashamed of. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so when I was born, both my parents were married. <laughs> so my mom, my mom was legitimately separated. She was not from here. She was from Miami. So she moved to Buffalo, trying to start a new life, blah, blah, blah. And so she met a man that said, I also am trying to start a new life. His life was established, though. Uh, she found out one day out in public and decided, you know what? I'm going to decide to raise him myself. In my personal opinion, I don't think that was the wisest of choices, but I was not in her shoes at that time, you know what I'm saying? So I have to have a little grace for her then. Um, at certain points, my father tried to come around, but not past two months. Um, and then I remember at one point when I was about five, seeing like an uncle, hearing from a grandmother, um, seeing my big sister at one point, seeing a, a brother playing outside. I didn't know we were actual brothers until my mother called me on the porch and said, that's your brother. Um, it wasn't until I was 17 that we were having an argument about me not knowing my father or whatever because she had the number to my sister but didn't want to give it to me. She said, I will call and, you know, hand you the phone. I, I didn't like that. So I'm like, you know what? Why don't you just admit that you're embarrassed, you know, to that of the way you had me? So, I mean, it was a lot of uh, shame, obviously, around there. Um, so it's not something that I could act like I don't understand why she made the decisions she made. 
my father, uh, if he had his way, I'm sure he could have tried to fi- try a little harder to find me as well. But at 30 years old, having never ever seen him or, or seen a picture or anything like that, is something that I know is missing. But I I I can't miss him, you know. Um, my mother's first husband eventually did try and come back. Um, he himself admitted he was not a good husband. So they went ahead and divorced his friends, and that was great, um, I guess. But initially when he came back, he was not super welcoming to me. He did not, you know, embrace me because he had biological children, and there I was. Um, so I learned what that felt like, to have that in the household too. Um, but ultimately, as I got older, um, you know, we had a conversation with me and my mother, and she admitted that it was a lot of shame, guilt. It was a lot of stuff there. Um, and I kind of accepted it for what it was. Um, eventually, by 19, I saw I met my sister again, ironically in Family Dollar. She was scanning groceries, and my aunt said, hey, Darrell. And I said, yeah. She's like, that's your sister. And I was like, okay. So, you know, I'm handing her my stuff, and I said, here you go. This is all of it. Um, my name is Darrell Mason. She was like, she never looked up. She was like, yeah, I know who you are. Do you want his number? And I was like, yeah. And because she said it that way, I never called it until I was 21. And I was walking home from work one day, um, college. I was walking back to the school um, from work, and I called it, and it was disconnected. So I went back to that family dollar. They said she didn't work there anymore. Hmm. And so they said, you know, it's illegal to give anyone's information, blah, blah, blah. So I took it as a sign, and I just stopped trying after that. But I always used, like, my leaders as father figures. And then... You know, my stepfather I have now, it's not that he was all bad. I think he was just learning and growing himself. So it was a lot that he had to learn and grow and understand when it came to raising children. But uh, for me, I I gleaned from people like Pastor Tommy and folks like that. And when he would introduce me to people like Daniel, I would know, like, okay, this is how you put on a blazer and be kind of, you know. So (laughs) I was not this before I became this, if that makes sense. So you learn from the folks around you in, in your community. You know, speaking of learning, so with all, like, the life experience that you have, how do you instill that into the students or that you, I assume you mentor them? Mm-hmm. How do you, so what type of advice do you give them? So, uh, <laughs> well, the thing about that when it comes to students and people in general mm-hmm. is that people will still be people. So mm-hmm. you kind of just have to give them the roadmap and then let them choose the way themselves sometimes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So... I did higher education for um, eight years, and when I when I said okay, this was this was a great run, I left as the Western New York Advisor of the Year because I implored different innovative tactics to get folks to understand this is how you make it through mm-hmm. college, this is how you make it through life. Um, so I never made it all about academics. The truth was, I never really cared too much about the academic piece of it. It just came along with the life aspect mm-hmm. of it. So for me, having heard what I heard in high school. And then graduating uh, with honors twice after that, I learned, like, okay, it's not necessarily being the smartest in the room. It's paying attention and knowing what it is you have on the table. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. what I did one day is I sat down and broke down the tuition by the hour. Mm-hmm. And so I told students, every time you skip a class, this is how much money you're throwing away. Mm-hmm. Since it costs $57,000 for you to go here. You know, and I think just being real with them and saying, this is your options, there you go. Now, there's been certain points where I've actually had to kick a student out or something like that, but I still do it with a level of respect where I explain to them, this is what you could have done. This is what you could do after this opportunity. 
Mm. Everything is a learning experience. Now, depending on who you talk to and how you're talking, I am a very direct advisor, mentor, because I don't believe in, uh, you know, dancing around mm-hmm. when it comes to people, especially mentees. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. it's your life. Um, I'm open enough to where I can explain and show you my life in a way where you can learn from me. So even the mistakes I made, I think some of that should be on the table. So, you know, if you choose to go down that route, that's up to you. However, this is what it can look like. Mm. Um, and so I found that to be very effective. And then, you know, also just being relatable and, and understanding that life happens, things happen. You know, in a quick follow-up to that, I don't know if this is an easier question, what type of advice would you give to your children? And combined with that question, like, overall, what do you want your overall legacy to be? Like, what do you want to leave behind for your children? Oh, that's deep. Oh, that's <laughs> deep. Okay, um, so for my son, uh, who I just dropped off, right, uh, mm-hmm. I want him to understand how to respect himself, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Not just as a man, but just as a person, as a human being. Like, have the utmost respect for yourself first. Mm-hmm. Meaning, uh, if you have respect for yourself, you don't enter in certain rooms in certain areas. You don't have certain discussions. You don't have to engage in certain things because you know who you are, your morals, your values. Um, uh, definitely instilling, like, spirituality in my son. So I, I believe in, in God, and I, I make sure that Liam knows, like, this is who he is to me. However, I want him to explore that for himself as well. Um, and overall, just kind of making sure that I have a well-rounded child, you know what I'm saying? So I read to him at night, uh, yell, him, yell at him just like every other parent, right? Um, you know, let him get away with certain stuff. But that's my kid. So I'm going to make sure he's good. I'm going to make sure he has the best. I'm going to make sure that he knows, like, um, this is who your dad is. So always offering time for him, uh, showing him that emotional love and support, you know? Um, my legacy and what I want to leave behind, um, any student or anyone that knows me, that really knows me, will tell you I said exactly what I meant. Mm. That's my legacy meaning. I came not to make you comfortable, but I came to kind of bring light to something that typically wouldn't have had light shed on it. So when folks talk about homelessness, it can make some folks uncomfortable. But mm-hmm. because I know I've overcome that, I'm able to speak about it. But I also know that that is still real. Um, and this is why we have to do something. Um, so, you know, I'm not afraid to speak about race and, and things like that, race relations and, and social engagement and all that stuff. I think it's important to talk about that stuff. But it can make some fe- some folks uncomfortable, and I get that too. But that whole good trouble thing, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. that's exactly my, yeah, just like that. <laughs> I got a question. Sure. Um, you talked about you and your siblings having a different perspective on the world. Mm-hmm. And for me, I think of, um, I had a professor, and when I was going into college, he talked about how different one should be coming out of college. Like, you shouldn't mm-hmm. be the same person. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts are changed. overall being, and you'll find out that you're separated from some people. So... In your experiences and what you've learned, <coughs> like how how was your perception different from your siblings or those people around you? Well, uh, like if I'm being honest, I grew up in a lot of poverty. I grew up in a lot of violence, a lot of gang violence, stuff like that. So that kind of stuff wasn't foreign to me. You know, um, when I was uh, six years old, I saw my mother get her throat slashed and her face cut up. Um, I've seen my brother get shot before. Like this kind of stuff was 
that was where I came from. So I thought that was almost the norm, you know, like that. It's like you're built in to, to deal with trauma like that. Um, and it wasn't until I got to this college and I was kind of like on a little island by myself that I realized that other people don't live like this necessarily. Yeah. Um, and so um, coming back, dressing different, talking different and stuff like that, it's always like, you know, either um, you're trying to be a race that you're not, either you think you're better than someone or whatever the case may be. But what I've learned is, is just a lack of understanding. Yeah. or a lack of connection there, and that's okay too. Sometimes it doesn't have to be what it was in order for it to work. So what I do is, is I just kind of come in as that brother that I'm there, but we don't have to agree on everything. So out of all my brothers, I was the only one um, to to choose this this path in life. Um, and as a result, you know, we don't get to spend much time sitting around and kind of connecting on similar things. However, I still respect them as my family, as my brothers, and I acknowledge that they had a path that got them to where they are as well. You know, yeah. um, so just kind of knowing that everyone has their own their own way. Luckily, I found folks that kind of helped me to latch on to education and, and things like this. You said a whole lot right there. I have a million questions. We'll never finish this podcast <laughs> if I ask them all. But just hearing just hearing your backstory and just some of the things that you had to persevere through like I mean how like what what was how did you get through like how did you get to this point outside of the mentorship that you've obviously had and just you know male figures that have kind of helped you along this way like what what was that thing inside that just kept you moving forward um not speaking spiritually like, you know what I'm saying? Just perseverance. Um, but overall, God, bro. Like, it, literally. Like, it. why would my mentor call me at 1.30 in the morning to say, what are you doing? You know what I'm saying? How ironic is it that his suit fit me for me to go graduate in? Um, you know, I'm not a person I just think of, of happenstance. I feel like God looks out for those that has the heart for it and that's open. And I think he realized that he could trust me enough to be authentically myself, but also learn and grow and give back. Um, and so I feel like that's it. It's just the fact that like someone literally died for your sins for you to live and have a chance at life. So name one friend you have here that will get strung up and die for you. There's none. And so I feel like in raising my child up in a certain way and speaking to you all in a certain way, and carrying my lifestyle in a certain way. That's just me honoring like that sacrifice that was made for me to have a chance at life. Um, it's been a whole lot of times where that could have changed, but I'm still here to do what I'm doing, you know what I mean? And to give back and to teach someone else like, hey, you never know who you're talking to or what you're looking at. You know what I'm saying? So you never know what your story could be. So you mentioned having a son. Mm -hmm. um, I gotta bring it full circle. Now don't bring my baby up because I pull up pictures in a good mm. way. Okay, okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Stay with me here. So we, we like this has come full circle though. So it's mm -hmm. like here you are, you grow up not meeting your biological father, mm -hmm. and then in a situation where you don't have the best of relationships with other males that came into your life in regards to your household, mm -hmm. but you did have positive experiences with several mentors and men that you've met along the way. 
how do you now take all of those experiences and shape the father that you're going to be and you are right now to your to your son? Well, um, I'm not going to lie. A lot of, because my mom was like my primary caretaker, I take care of my kid sort of like how my mom used to take care of me. So I hear my, myself saying some of what she used to say. But she was a very stern woman, um, is a very stern woman. <laughs> so, like, you know, I know that I'm pretty stern with my son, but he knows that is in love, too. Um, I think what I've learned is I am my own person. You understand? I have my own path, and I've taken little bits and pieces from my mentors, but I've made it into my own thing, pretty much. And so I'm passing this along to my son. Um and I'm learning that, okay, I did not know what it felt like to have a hug from a man necessarily and, and think that that was okay and, and all that stuff. And I, I never had, you know, that father figure to cry to until I got somewhat older. Um, but I now am that for my son because I know what it feels like not to have that stuff. Um, so, you know, there's times where I'll think about my biological father like, man, I wonder what of him Liam looks like or, you know, but... I get so much gratification seeing myself in him that I almost don't have time to think about me not having because I'm too busy giving it to him now. You know what I'm saying? So I don't feel like it's a, a struggle I have to carry around. Like, man, I never had my biological father around. It's, it's now a matter of let me make sure I do everything I can to be the best parent I can be to this kid so I can be as patient as I can be. Let me try and read to him, which I hate reading at night, but <laughs> let me do that so he understands, you know, that yeah. this is okay too, something different. Um, and just then pulling from seeing how you interact with your daughter, seeing how um, Pastor Tommy interacts with his kids and, and utilizing that stuff. You got to learn, you know what I'm saying? Seek wise counsel that comes from the Bible too. I mean? All right, don't start preaching on here. I'm not, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm just saying it's important to, to, to pay attention and know and to get together in, in circles like this with other dads and realize, and I am a single father, so to realize, like, okay, I am tired. Are you tired too? Like, have you dealt with this too? That does help. You are not a robot, and I don't care what you think about this little tight turtleneck. You get tired, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and some days you're going to see me in a hoodie pulling the kid, like, come on, let's go. I ain't got time. You know what I mean? Um, so I just think keeping your circle there and checking in with them, and then um, also keeping that strong communication with the co-parent, with your, your other parent. So we have a great relationship to where it's like, okay, I know what's happening over there. She knows what's happening over here. And my kid is happy. And that's all that matters. And I'm happy. That matters too. Mm -hmm. Yes, very much so. Happiness, peace, and happiness. Mm -hmm. We talked about that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk a bit about, like, how did you get comfortable how did you get to a point to where you're comfortable about talking like about some of the struggles you went through and you know the personal things and hardships that had come to light you know yeah because a lot of us you know our community we, especially as men mm -hmm. we don't like to share a lot of stuff that you're sharing mm -hmm. right now so oh, that's yeah. a great question dorian it's because i saw behind closed doors how many men especially like black men were crumbling with the same traumas so all my students knew what it was when I would say, come here, let me talk to you for a minute. Close the door. You're either going to be crying or you're going to be admitting something. something. Mm -hmm. And so all of this stuff would come out. And it wasn't until I say, you know what? This happened to me too. Yep, my mother was addicted to alcohol and drugs as well. Yes, this also is, I was homeless too. 
because what I heard was, well, what do you know? You huxtable. That's what, that's what one of my students told me. And so I pulled out old photos and told her, like, okay, you see me in this suit and tie? I was homeless here. I washed this shirt in the sink. And I dried it at my friend's house. But that's the stuff that you don't hear. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think it's important to um, understand that, like, you may be the only person to speak in a room, and that's okay. You don't have to agree with me. That's why I say I'm not here to make anyone comfortable, but I am who I am. And the stuff that I'm talking about, you talk about at home, at night, with your door closed or to your friend or whatever the case may be. But we deal with it. Poverty, shame, hunger, all of that stuff. We deal with it. I'm just bold enough to say, oh, no, I'm not going to stand comfortably and see it happen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use myself as an example. I'm going to tell my own story. Um, and so began to help students. I've watched my students go on to be lawyers and doctors and stuff that I wanted to be that I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe my, my role in life is to be that one person that will open up and say something that nobody else will say in a room. And so typically I am. There's been a lot of roles where I've been the only male or the only male of color in the room. And I'm comfortable saying, actually, as a person of color, this offends me. And here's why. Or saying like, hey, I'm a single father who had to work a part-time schedule to make sure I was there for my son. That's something that sometimes folks forget. You know, um, I think it's important to be open, honest, and real. And the people that that gravitate to you, that's who's meant to be your circle and your, and your team and, and your audience. Your life is not meant just for you. The, the stuff you've been through is meant to go back so you can minister and testify to somebody else like, yo, I was homeless before, but I'm actually all right. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is how I got through this. So it's important for me to say it. If I keep it inside, that's selfish. Yeah, I think we, um, in our community, we run into this idea that we're the only ones going through something. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like we, we're the only ones with certain experiences. Right. And I think that also leads into, like, having the idea that I should just, you know, that pride thing, like, just to oh, yeah, keep yeah, it to yeah. yourself. Right, right. You know, to... But that I'm comes from a place, though. Yeah. And it's funny. I was just talking about this with Pastor Tommy Fitz. That the pride that comes for a lot of young black men is actually fear. It's really fear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you see someone that's walking by you and you're trying to be all tough, he's really nervous. He's trying to prove himself. Maybe not to you, but to himself. Mm -hmm. And I've now reached a point in my life where I'm good on proving myself to anybody. I know exactly who I am to me. So once you figure that day out for yourself, you can move differently. You can op you can open up and speak about stuff that you know, like, yeah, can't nobody teach you about you? Yeah. You know you. Nobody built like you. You design yourself. Period. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so another deep question. How do you think your life would have been altered if you had your original father in your life? Wow. I don't know. That's the one, that is the the one thing and the only thing that makes me want to meet this person. Mm. It's because I don't, I don't know, I don't know. You think it could have prevented you from going homeless in the first place? Having that father figure to guide you and help you, like, connect you to the right path? No. Mm. I think um, nothing can happen by, ha like, happenstance. I feel like my life was already carved out what it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So then that way I can then turn around 
and stop students from committing suicide and, and you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm. Now, working in specifically what my job role is, is working within the BIPOC community, so black, indigenous, people of color, uh, working on REI stuff, so racial equity and inclusion work. Mm-hmm. This My life was carved out this way so I can speak about what poverty looks like, what homelessness looks like, what abuse looks like, what trauma looks like. So um, I don't regret any of that, and I don't feel like if this person would have been there, it would have stopped anything because that would have stopped my destiny. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so who you're meant to be is already predestined. It's just a matter of you finding it out along, along the way. Um, so that's what kind of keeps my head calm at night when I think, like, okay, I never met my father, but that wasn't – cars necessarily so i'm not going to keep going back and forth it's just i don't know what my life could have been but i'm happy that guy let it be what it is now so you know i gotta go back there i gotta go back to that place because this guy he mm-hmm. brought it back up the whole yep. fatherhood piece like so i was sharing with we had bruce warwick on the podcast a couple weeks ago he was talking about the relationship he had with his father um and i shared a little bit about what my relationship was lack thereof with mine because he spent more time out than in and basically was non-existent after age five right so for me i never had got the chance to sit down and have a conversation with him before he passed and it was just because of my own stubbornness and i was still angry probably still angry but um for you it's like i'm sitting here like i would want to blaze this dude it's like so what what would you say to him? Do you even want to sit down and have a conversation with him? Like, how do you feel about just that stuff? Like, what would you say to him if you even want to yeah. say anything to him? So there was, like, when I was 21 and I made that decision, like, ah, I'm done searching. Like, I wouldn't have wanted to talk to him um, until maybe until about this year, now at 30. Like, I, I would be open to speak with him. But my father would be 75 if he's still alive. I don't know if he's still alive or not. Um, if I saw him, a younger me would have came with crazy energy. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but it's because of me hearing one perspective. I don't know his story. I don't know anything about him. Um, and so it's kind of like I would want to know a little bit more, but selfishly I would want him to see that, like, I'm okay and I don't need you, you know? And so... As a kid, I always wanted to meet him for him to see, like, I don't want anything from you. I just want to see your face and know who you are. But now it would just be kind of like, you know, nice to meet you, like, you know, because you contributed nothing. Uh, And so I would feel nothing in that regard. Um, But the fact that I would be able to meet him and, and not be in need would feel, like, good enough for me. You know what I'm saying? Um, I want him to know, like, what it felt like without him being there, you know, I wanted him to know, like, um, I was still able to continue on. Um, but the fact that that is a high likely chance that that could never happen, I'm okay with that too, you know? So, like, the older I've gotten, I realized that that just may not be my story, and that's okay too. Um, but it is something that I've, it always had, was, like, a little bit of, like, promise there, like, well, maybe one day I could, Run into you never know you could run into this person, but with each past year I'm like okay this man was 45 46 when I was born, I'm 30 years old. So I don't know if he's alive or not, um, but I do know that it's now my obligation to use that to like learn from that, heal from that, and then do better with my own kid. So I'm, I'm definitely advocate of like counseling and 
mentorship and talking to people and all that stuff um, and, and being in touch with what you feel. So, um, you know, for me, I feel like it probably been harder on me having him in my life for a certain time and then him disappearing. So the fact that he just was, you know, there. Yeah, but what it did do is it made me very um, standoffish Guarded. with, like, older black men at, at a certain point because I could be at the pump and you could be my dad almost, like, you know, or something like that. But um, as I've gotten older and learned and grown, things have changed. So I don't think I would have anything bad to say to him. Like, I know I wouldn't have anything bad to say to him. I was curious, man, like, Xavier triggered the thought. So now, 20-year-old drill had craziness for it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And these hands as well. I, I, yeah, I was going to say, it sounded like 20-year-old Jarrell would have wanted to put the paws on him, put the hands on him mm-hmm. one time for the one time. All right, man, we're uh, we getting to close to the end. Mm-hmm. We got to run you through the gauntlet real quick, Uh-oh. though. So this is kind of like equivalent to what ESPN and Sports Center used to do when they would put you on, like, the hot seat. We're going to ask you some questions. And you just literally say, like, the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Oh, man, all right, let's go. All right. Remember, so, you asked for this. I am asking for all right, it. All right, and I want y'all to chime in here, too. If y'all don't behave, I'm No problem. You know, it's like 20 of them, but, you know, I'm getting started. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm not close to PT's age, but <laughs> I'm starting to get there, you know. All right, so first one out the box. Best chicken wings in Buffalo. This should not be that hard for you. I don't go and eat chicken wings at nobody else's restaurant. I'm sorry. My aunties make the best chicken wings in Buffalo, bro. I ain't got to go buy them nowhere in Buffalo. Okay, well, we, I ain't heard about your aunties' chicken wings, so they can't be That's that good. That's why. It's the first time I heard Because I about need it just for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. All right, well, I know you don't, they ain't making the America's best America's best chicken wings. What? What? In the University Plaza? Yeah. If you do it right. <laughs> For real. <laughs> if I just got to go out and buy a chicken, I'll go to the plaza. Are you serious? And then I can that? hit the McDonald's and get the fries on the way out. And a cold fountain spray. We moving on. <laughs> Best pizza. No, no, no. I'm going to make it hard for you. Give me your top five pizzerias. Oh, man. Like, okay. Mm, Imperial. Agreed. Avenue on Bailey. <laughs> Bailey's Pizza. They even hit you with the end. <laughs> All right, well, put them at the end. Bailey's no, Pizza. No, this your five. It's your five. <laughs> Carbones and Bella's out in Lackawanna. What? No Bocce's in there? Oh, I disrespected them. I'm you sorry. did. Is they, right. Are they... St- Let's move on. <laughs> hey, 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 wait, uh, you're not running this. We are. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um... I'm going sports now. Uh-oh. Kobe, LeBron, or Jordan? Be honest. What? Don't do the same one more time. Kobe, LeBron, or Jordan? Kobe just, come on. Kobe. Dude, you know, that's my guy. Kobe, period, just because he has ascended up into his goathood of angelship. But Jordan... I'm just saying. I'm you just said you hovering around thirty, so I know. I'm just saying, but Jordan, you know, some of yeah, I respect olds. LeBron, but mm-hmm. a lot of these people have looked to Jordan. Like Jordan is the goat for real. All right, who's on your Mount Rushmore of rap? <laughs> oh, snaps! All right, 
I'm correct. Like in front of a camera or behind? <laughs> okay. <laughs> is this just mine, though? Or are we just going like... Then I'm not saying... Who's, <laughs> who's, 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 who's mine? Who's I'm just making sure that it's, it's just me. Okay. Um, all right. Jay-Z is top. You know what I'm saying? Um, for me, Rick Ross, just because I like his... his now, this recent album cover, I don't know why Rick did, like, I don't, you he know. Got new could, album dropping, what's the Yeah, they coming at him crazy time. about that. But for me, I like his energy and, like, how he carries himself. Rick Ross is boss. Uh, I would say definitely, like, Tupac, Biggie. But I feel like mm-hmm. everybody going to say Tupac Four, and Biggie. We said Mount Rushmore. Ain't no either ors. Which one? What? Which one? You can't pick which one. They oh, you both. Said, oh, so you, you putting them both on? Yes. Oh, all right. It wasn't clear. All right, you bugging. <laughs> All right, you can't pick. You can't pick one over the other. And then, dude, you just gave us four. I know. I need to give you a fifth one, right? We said Mount no. Rushmore is four. All right, Jarrell's Rushmore is five. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm gonna throw a little Kim on there just for the respect. Keep alive, money, power, respect. Absolutely, absolutely. That's interesting. She started a lot of it all. All right. Um, if you had. To pick an actor to portray you and your life story in a movie, who would it be? Jamie Foxx. I think that man can act <laughs> through everything. However, you have to lose a significant amount of weight and get shorter. <laughs> <laughs> so that might pose a problem. All right. Uh, who's on your Mount Rushmore of boxers? Ali Mayweather. George Foreman, just because I respect him. Uh, Tyson, of course. All right. Oh, since we just did the Ali piece, we got to ask this question. Uh-oh. So Ali has his six core principles, that the way he kind of lived his life. Okay. What would be your six core principles that you live your life by? Mm. I would say respect to certain um, Honesty, clarity, um, being open, you know, to dialogue, um, remaining teachable, and then the final one: stand for something or fall for anything. Meaning, stand on something, stand on your principles. Okay, I believe that. Um. What's the your best advice you've ever received to date? Man, you know, I'm so crazy that I put advice in my note section on my phone. Um, that's not crazy. Yeah, so that, I, that, I, crazy. I sometimes you get a nugget and it's like, yo, that's that's dope. You gotta put it but in. But I think the best advice I received, <laughs> ironically, Pastor Tommy, uh, like, you know, Jarrell, the who you were supposed to be hasn't ever been done before. What you were going to do has never been done before. So stop looking for examples all the time. And so I learned to be more innovative and more boisterous for myself because it's like, you know what? This may be the first time anyone has done something like this. So everybody's going to be like, you crazy. And I'm okay with that feeling because I know exactly what I'm doing because I'm me and you're you. You know what I'm saying? And that's why I say your life is not just for you. It's for someone else. 
Sorry, I know it's rapid fire. Go ahead. No, that's good. <laughs> um, your favorite place to visit? Jamaica. It's on my bucket list. I haven't been there yet. Oh, you got to go. But go to the hood in Jamaica. Just be careful. Gotcha. <laughs> I feel you. Bring a 50 with you, too. When I went to DR, we was in the hood in DR. We didn't go to yeah. the expensive resorts. You, need, loot, you need to leave some loose money with you, too. Gotcha. Absolutely. Appreciate that advice. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it was one I wanted to ask around. Oh, what's your favorite activity to do with your son? Um, honestly, just like run around and play. like this, this kid is his Your own. Your still allowing you to run around? Oh yeah. Wow. <laughs> my back don't, but my knees, uh, but like this kid is like his own person. My son is very intellectual and savvy. So it's I like, wonder where he got that from. Okay. So like, you know, at two and he'll be three soon enough, but, uh, he can sit and have a conversation with me, you know? So we read, we do stuff like that. You know, we go out, we play, but the funny part is, um, I bring my son with me typically anywhere. So whether I'm singing, recording, whatever, I can bring him with me. And so I would say, all right, Liam, let's do this. And he would say, all right, let's do this. And, you know, so he kind of turns into a little buddy, you know, that like a little mentee that I'm training up and I'm showing him. So when I go and I speak somewhere publicly, I like to look out and see my son because I know after that's going to be a conversation where I'm going to explain, like, did you see daddy standing there? This is what it means. This is how you act if you enter a room. You know, so just those little moments where I get to sit and spend time with him or, you know, shoot Nerf guns at him and stuff like that. You know, I mean, with him, difference. <laughs> <laughs> now, you said you mentioned you sing, right? Don't. What? I mean, the, the, what you gonna the, do? the people might want to hear a little something, something. Tell them to go to iTunes and they can just Google. <laughs> but actually, since we talk about music, that is something that I'm working on. So an actual solo album. That'll be something my own and another community project. So if I can convince young men like yourself to, you know, help out and support, we won't push this thing on forward because this year um, and this coming year, what my my fundraiser will be will be for the Buffalo Fatherhood Initiative. Um, And as a single father, I think that's something I really would like to give back to as well as giving back to homelessness again. And so instead of it being uh, BLM in the way that people originally see it, it's going to be BLM Black Love Motivated, and that's going to be the solo project. So they can hear all the singing they want then. All right, let me ask you this. Go ahead. What was that one song when you were young in church, like in choir, that you just, was, you cringe? It was like, I, didn't want, I don't want to perform this song today. Pass me not, oh gentle Savior. The only reason why, because I love that song, is because my mom would pinch me until I figured it out. So like the point, you know. So when I had to sing it somewhere, I just felt traumatic. Now I, I think it still feel traumatic as I just sang a little piece of, (laughs) you know. But over time, yeah, that was one of those songs. Like certain hymns, it was like you had to know. The fact that you just hit that note like that, though. Word. Let's move on. (laughs) 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 Y'all got any rapid fire questions? Y'all want to slide in here? I want to know. I don't know your movie game, but movie of the year so far. Oh, what is this new movie with Idris? The Heart of They Fall. That movie is the movie of the lifetime for me. Okay. Period. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you need to. I think I'm going to watch it tonight. Man, I was so black and melanated and proud. Absolutely. And Regina King is beautiful. Black, melanated, and proud. (laughs) Make that into a shirt. (laughs) Black, melanated, and proud. (laughs) That was an awesome movie. But my favorite movie of all time probably wouldn't guess it is actually Carmen Jones the 1954 version 
with Harry Belafonte. Why? Um, and Dorothy Dandridge as well. Uh, just because it was such a classic. Like I'm, I'm one of those like I love Nat King Cole and folks in the sixties and the fifties, and I just love like the. Now the, you now you have an old soul. I oh I definitely have an old soul. I ain't gonna hold you, but I, you <laughs> I love that that movie and that work and the fact that people of color were shown in that light. Like you know what I'm saying, like we can tell those stories too. And so that was the first time I ever seen that. I saw that in fifth grade in music class. And it just took off. And it was the first time I seen folks acting and singing and, and whatever. And so it was just something that stuck with me. Have you ever found yourself, like, taking notes from singers or, um, you know, different vocalists and trying to, like, implement that into your work? Or where do you um, get your inspiration from when you go about, you know, producing your work? Somewhat. Somewhat I, get, I hear stuff and it's like, man, that would be amazing. But I also realize, that, okay, my voice is different than it was when I was 24. And, you know, maybe I ain't this singer, maybe I ain't that singer, but that's okay. I'm, I just am who I am. And sometimes I almost turn off everyone else's song so I can just get my own and not try and compare myself. So that way when I do put something out, it stands as something that is mine. Yeah. Not trying to be like the next, you know, weekend or this or whatever. Mm. So the kind of music I, I was into or I am into or I sing is not something that, like, you can fit me in a box of, you know, he's a gospel singer or he's a R&B singer. Like, no, I just like music. So I love jazz. I love certain opera songs. I love certain rock songs. I listen to rap songs. I listen to trap songs. A little all that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Trap songs. I won't go there today. Two chains. <laughs> oh, you ratchet, ratchet. Two chains. That's yeah. what happened when I leave work. <laughs> 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 That's off the clock drill right there. <laughs> I like hanging out with that guy. He's a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. Um, I know we, we definitely have to close now, but I want to just go around. I'm going to ask you guys what's hot. So just tell me what, what's hot is, like what's going on. Give us an update on what you're working on, what you got going on in your life, school-wise, whatever, whatever you're doing, break barriers, work-wise. Just give us what's hot. We're going to start with you. We're going to go all the way around, and we're closing out. All right. It's hot with me. Last week, you know, we had our – Broadcasting of the Muhammad Ali Six Core Principles. I think we did an amazing job. Love the setup of the studio stage. Then, of course, the, the day later, the quarter, the first quarter of my school end, and I'm pretty sure I did very great. So now I'm just trying to uh, still hang in there at school, get my college stuff together, and just live life. Uh, for me, um, school is kicking my behind, but I'm doing great. <laughs> I'm hanging on this thread that I'm like, if I mess up, it's over. Okay, not over, buddy. Um, I'm also working on poetry. Um, so it's like free verse, haiku. And I decided to put in like short stories, like to tell like my experiences and put a moral lesson in there too. So um, I do that in my free time. And Taekwondo. So I'll be a black belt in March. Okay. Put them and, hands um, on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heard you. Okay. Bojo D1, All right. Bojo D2 in um, December. I'll be testing for that. Um, that's about it. Congratulations, man. I got to do what's hot for me, too? Yeah, what's hot? Um, <laughs> I would say um, definitely, like, professionally, uh, moving into a career that really is, like, life-fulfilling, you know, and, and where I can give back to my community and, and work um, within my community as a director of community engagement. Um, and then personally, just... Um, having a production company and, and pushing that into fruition. So there'll be like documentaries that will come out soon. Um, getting back into photography somewhat. 
um, and then working on two musical projects, one community project, one solo project. Um, so the solo project will feature a lot of, uh, you know, older songs within black history that really stands out for us. So like Wade in the Water and um, Strange Fruit and stuff like that. But then I'm mixing in other stuff that I love. So some Nat King Cole, Smile and Unforgettable um, with certain artists around the city. So uh, for me, that's pretty much what I'm working on, what I'm doing. And then always, always just kicking it with the kid. That's pretty much my, that's pretty much my day. Making sure I get back to my son. That's what's up, man. Dude, I really enjoyed this conversation we had. We are blessed to have you with us tonight. Thank you. Great. Um, any last words you guys want to close out with? I appreciate you telling your story. Um, you know, I think that it's very enlightening, and, you know, hearing stuff like this inspires me too. You know, it gives, adds on to my flame. So I appreciate you. Absolutely. You're a true inspiration. Like, I know life can sometimes, like, be rough for me and stuff like that, but just seeing how you were able to pull through, like, from, like, you were literally in the gutter, but you were able to just pull yourself out of it, that's what I want to aspire to be. So I really appreciate you, and God bless. Absolutely. Thank you all. I God feel like y'all just created a new segment. I think we're going to have to call it, like, Get That Man His Flowers or something. Ooh, that yeah. sound like something. That sound like something. <laughs> Don't you take it either. Let's, uh, <laughs> that's a, you that's ain't put no on that. <laughs> that's oh. a song title. We should come up with a podcast called Get That Man His Flowers. flowers. I'll be a part. You're going to have to let me be the first guest, though. I'm going to talk right. mad stuff without a turtleneck on. I, th I think that's Gen Z right there. Yeah, we might have to do that. All right, cool. We might have to do that. All right. Without further ado, y'all, it's the Breaking Beers Podcast. Daniel Robertson, Xavier Lamar, Dorian Withrow. Our special guest tonight was Mr. Jarrell Mason, doing amazing things. Uh, we love you guys. Shout out to Say Yes Buffalo, Community Foundation for Greater Buffalo, awesome. Awesome. and the Oshai Foundation. Check us out on all the major streaming platforms, a Google Podcast, iHeartRadio, YouTube, all of the podcasts that are streaming. Uh, stream. ah, I messed it up. Stay with me. Just to go check us out, Breaking Bears, we out. Peace. See y'all. Love y'all. Next time. <laughs>